You know what, Sam? What? Even we have to take a break sometime. Yes, we do. Coming to you from the heart of Kane's country, this is the Kaniac Report. Your number one source for everything Carolina Hurricanes, hot takes, predictions, game analysis, and NHL news. And now your hosts, Sam Wallace and Sam Driscoll. All right, we are back with another episode of the Kaniac Report. We've hoped to have had a good few days and Sam stopped kissing the mic. Uh, I'm telling you, one day we're going to go to video and you're going to see all the stuff that Sam does. It's going to be fun. Uh, but not right now, of course. Uh, but uh, in this episode, uh, what we'll be discussing is uh, we're going to be going back memory lane here. Uh, for the, That's the meat of this episode. Of Kind of going to be summed up in this question. If the Hurricanes win the Stanley Cup, how much, if Ron Francis does get credit, how much? Because I think there is an argument for and against Ron Francis. So we'll get to that. Uh, but before we do, we're going to get to some podcast news. Uh, NHL news, which was quite a bit, actually. And then we'll get to some Canes news. And then we'll finally get to the Ron Francis side of things. So, uh, Sam, like you said in our one-liner, uh, we are going to be taking a break. It'll be starting next week and the week after. We will be back after those two weeks on that Monday. So, Sam, we're going to be having a break. Woo! You sound happy. I'm sleepy. Mm. Well, we are recording this at night. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so we'll be going on our break uh, we will post this on our social media accounts to uh, to make sure you guys are informed. That's kind of how we share the news on our podcast. Go follow us on Twitter X. and Instagram, it's or X it's now. X. I I like calling it Twitter better. <laughs> it's it's a catchier formerly name. Formerly known as Tweeter. Yes, but uh, we will be posting our break on there, um, and I mean. It's just a two-week break. We'll be back after that. And after that, Sam, that's when we're going to get into standing predictions. We're going to get to analyzing the Metro. We're going to get an official season preview of the Hurricanes. So, yeah, I think it's going to be fun. After that, obviously, training camp is going to be coming back up during that time as well. Yeah. It's going to be um, it's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. I'm ready for the season to start, though. Oh, I am, too. I'm already having hockey withdrawal. Yeah. But I've been having that uh, probably after um, the, the uh, a first full week of free agency. Then I was just like, okay, let's have hockey now. Uh, but, yeah, so NHL news, Sam. Um, quite a bit. First thing is that Jonathan Bernier, uh, Kane's legend, retires, if you remember that trade. That surprised me. Uh, of Alex Nedeljkovic to Detroit. Yeah, that surprised me that he got traded. Really? I mean, that he um got that he retired. So he didn't play at all last season. I thought he did. No, did he not? did not. Okay. Did he get hurt? Um, no, he didn't get hurt. He just didn't. Uh, he was not able to get signed last season. Um, and I'm. I thought he played somewhere, but I guess not. No, he did not. Uh, and. My guess is because of that, I think he was like, I'm probably going to hang things up. Yeah, that's too bad. I thought he was a decent goalie, so, oh well. But, decent career, good for him, um, for finishing off his career. Former Canes legend. Yeah, Canes legend, Jonathan <laughs> Bernier. Although we never signed him, but we, we, we acquired him. We had his rights for a couple of days. Yes, we did. So, yes, and the next NHL news, Sam, is Brandon Hagel signs an eight-year, $6.5 million contract with Tampa. Sam, uh, that's a big, big contract in terms of its term. Um, I think Brandon Hagel is a pretty good forward, though. Yeah, they locked up a good forward for long term. That's a good deal for them. I think the money's good, and I think the term is good, and they got him at a good – I mean, I, I really like the money. Six and a half million for eight years, I think, is very good for a really solid player. They paid a lot to get him, so you knew they were going to try and keep him. Exactly. Um, and he was on. I mean, he's going to be uh, having one more year left at a pretty good bargain deal of one point five million dollar contract. Sam, this past season, uh, he had sixty four points 
in 81 games with Tampa. That's a pretty good contract, I think. Oh, yeah, no, that's fantastic. And I think this proves, I, I think, well, we'll get, we'll get to the big, big contract, and then I'll state my case there. But um, the next player, Sam, uh, this is an offensive young defenseman for Edmonton, and the fact that Evan Bouchard signs a two-year, $3.9 million contract. Bridge deal. Yeah, young player gets a bridge deal. Nothing wrong with that. Let's him kind of compete. And yeah, and he's done pretty good. He's done pretty good. I believe he got f- over 40 points with Edmonton. And it's going to give them some time to really clear some cap if they want to. Yes, exactly. Um, so, yeah, Evan Bouchard, he gets that two-year deal. Obviously, he's going to be looking for more um, after this year or well, after two years. Uh, because after two years, we definitely know the cap is going to rise quite a bit. That's And I think it makes sense for a lot of players on their side of things to sign two-year deals. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he actually got exactly 40 points uh, this past season. And in the playoffs, uh, wow. Uh, Evan Bouchard in 12 games, four goals, 13 assists for 17 points. It was really good for Edmonton, but he also he was probably feeding McDavid. <laughs> True, <laughs> I mean, and McDavid. I mean, I think uh, no one's on McDavid's tier. I think he's on his own. He got over a hundred and fifty points. I think he can do it again. He's that good. Sure, I still don't like Connor McCry, baby. So, but regardless, he is an excellent player. Absolutely, still Connor McCry, baby. Oh my gosh, Sam. Okay, next player, Sam, is Alexis Lafreniere. Um, you and I, we've talked about him quite a bit of maybe being an offer sheet uh, of not just coming from us possibly, but speculating on other teams probably offer sheeting Lafreniere because he's still a young dude. He has lots of potential. But unfortunately, Sam, uh, for teams that may have been trying to, I don't know. I'm not an insider. I wish I was. But at Lafreniere, he signs a two-year deal, uh, which, again, two years, bridge deal. And it's a $2.325 million contract. I think that is excellent from the Rangers side of things. Oh, absolutely. See, that's why I would have like offer sheeted him at like two by five. You can do that. Two by six. I mean, that would have put them at all kinds of an odds. I was a little shocked try, with the money. I was shocked with the money. I mean, yeah, I am too. Like I said, I'm surprised no I'm surprised no team offer sheeted him. Because they could have pried him away very easily because New York really couldn't afford to keep him. No, they couldn't. Now um Unless in the, the back just wasn't there. I mean, maybe that's possible too. Yes, there's always always uh, the market out there. And honestly, I think for a player Lafren- like Laf- Alexis Lafreniere, um I think he is a player that I think uh there would be a market for. My only thing is I I wonder if he's a very loyal Rangers player and he wouldn't be the first one. You and I, right before we got on, talked about Adam Fox. And I think pretty much every Canes fan will agree that he is not a popular player among Hurricanes fans. he's a jerk. Yes, definitely. And then, Sam, the big, big contract. Uh, Austin Matthews signs a four-year. Four years to me was odd. But the money, $13.25 million contract. Well, he's going to be in Toronto for the next five seasons because he's got the rest of his contract, which is this year, then four more after that. And holy crap, <laughs> that's a lot of money. Um, makes me think someone's going to have to move out of Toronto to be able to afford this. Um, but no surprise, I kind of thought at the end of the day, Matthews was going to stay a Leaf. Yeah, and I mean, they're, they're going to have... I mean, they still have over $30 million in cap space after that. But you know what? You have Nylander coming off. You're going to have to sign him. Uh, Tyler Bertuzzi is going to get paid probably if if he stays healthy. I think the biggest thing with him is being healthy. Um, You have uh, TJ Brody, possibly. uh, John Kleenberg. I think John Kleenberg's more of a rental, to be honest. Um, Mark Giordano, you have Ilya Samsonov, so that's going to be interesting, and obviously Jake Muzzin 
He's going to be coming off. I think Tavares is coming up. Uh, Tavares is um, two years. Okay. Along with Marner. But <laughs> Austin, Austin, here's the thing about that contract signing, Sam. I saw, and, and I told you about him last night. <laughs> there has been a bit of a debate, actually, on X. As what we're now calling it, <laughs> and the fact that people would rather have—I'm not going to name individuals here—would rather have Austin Matthews than Sebastian Aho. Now, here's the thing: I think Matthews, when you compare him directly to Aho, is the better player. Absolutely, and I mean the the biggest thing. Is, and here's the question. Is would you rather have Matthews on your team or Aho on your team? And I think there's a good argument to be made here in the fact that you can build more of a team around Aho than you can with Matthews because of the contract. I mean, if I'm taking player player versus player and money's not the issue, I take Matthews all day, every day of the week. Just exactly. Matthews is gonna score sixty goals. Matthews is just he's gonna put the puck he fixes every problem the Hurricanes have. He's probably the most le- one of the most lethal goal scorers. I think him and probably McDavid and Pasternak are sure. probably up there in goal scoring. Even with the contract, I think just because of what Carolina has in contract, I think I would still take Matthews. But I like Ajo's. Con- I mean, obviously, I like Ajo's contract better. Yes, exactly. But I guess for me, I look at it this way: maybe we can get, you know, say if we swapped them, started it this year, and we swapped them. I mean, it's one of those things where maybe you win a cup if Matthews and Ajo swap places for a few years. Yeah, that that'd be interesting. It's not go- in reality. I don't think that ever happens. No, I, I mean Matthews. I mean, I look at it this way. I think at the end of this contract, I think he goes and plays in Arizona. Really? Hometown team. Go home and play out a few years at the end of your, you know. Why not? Well, Arizona could be. When this contract is up, Arizona might be really good. So then, you know, Matthews could be that piece that pushes them at that point over the edge. So he might be like, "Eh, let's get out of stupid Toronto. Nobody really wants to. Especially if, I, I think the four years, honestly, I think. Um, that's the window for Toronto. If they lose, if they don't win a Stanley Cup in those four years, he's gone. Yeah, I, don't blame I, 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 I do too. I think he's gone as well. Um, now, I, I'm not saying Matthew hates Toronto, no. but nobody likes the media there. Yeah, nobody likes the media, and I think out of all the teams, Toronto has the most pressure to win because they have the largest fan base, and I think, well. Okay, fan base maybe, but I think the largest media, and I think having a very large media that's crawling behind your back has its disadvantages. Yeah, I think so too. But we'll see what happens. I mean, Toronto has a good team. The fact that they struggled to get out of the first round is perplexing, but it's funny. <laughs> yes. Now, Edmonton was kind of in the same boat with McDavid, but they finally got out of that, I think, a couple years ago when they were in the conference finals. They did, but they still struggle. And I'm not going to, and I'm not about to call Connor McDavid one of the greatest players in the world until he does it. Exactly. He needs to win a cup. And, and there's and end. there's that debate too of McDavid and Crosby. I think right now Crosby is the better player yeah, well, one, than Crosby's McDavid. Crosby's be- at the end of his career. Because he's at the end of his career. I think that topic needs to be brought up once McDavid retires. Then you can have the comparison. Yeah, and I think that's fair. Crosby's just been more successful in his career. I'm not talking about points. No, I mean Crosby's not going to measure his career based off how many points a season he got. He's going to measure it based off how many Stanley Cups he captained the Pittsburgh Penguins to. And he did it, what, three times? Yeah, yeah, he yeah he did do back it three back, times. I think, and then another one, so. Uh, two back-to-back, which was, like, what, 2016, 2017, I believe? No, I think that or was... Or 2017. Yeah, I can't remember. Oh, I'm getting my Stanley Washington. Cups. But he did it twice. Right, and he did it back to back. He did one before when he was really young. He could have gotten Detroit. four if you remember, because the two hundred eight, two hundred nine season, both, yeah. both, uh, they faced Detroit. Yeah, and at that point, it's like, right now, I just I, I like what Crosby's done in Pittsburgh more than McDavid's done in Edmonton. But I agree. We'll see what happens. 
And the same goes, you know, well, just with Ovechkin. I would just take Crosby over Ovechkin because of the leadership and because of the success he's had. It's been more. Yeah, than I would. I, I would too. Now, when it comes to actual goal scoring, I take Ovechkin over Crosby. Well, yeah, that's just the I mean, that's Ovechkin's just facts. the greatest yeah. goal scorer um, of modern day. Until he passes Gretzky, it's modern times, exactly. not of all time. So, I'm a Canes fan. I hate the Caps. I'm not going to give it to him until he does it. Um, but we'll just wait and see. Yes, exactly. And Sam, there is some Canes news here. I don't here. want to talk about it. Um, Nathan Bilio signs a PTO with the Canes. Now, here's Too the thing. many defensemen sign a forward. We're not allergic to forwards. It's okay. We yes, need one. Yeah, I, yeah, <laughs> I know. Exactly. Trust me, I was a, a little bit frustrated with this signing, too. And it's not so much with... Signing defensemen is the fact that they haven't solved the issue at center for me. They keep signing defensemen. And listen, you want to do that, that's fine. But at least get an AHL team in order before you do it is my is my biggest thing. It just, there has to be a trade coming, right? I mean. Yeah, there has to. I think there has to. I just don't understand having all these defensemen. The, more, def- defensemen, the more defensemen you the get. Least. The more of scre- of the screaming of uh, trading Brett Pesci intensifies, or just trading someone, or someone. Yes, I think Pesci's the elf in the room, of course, but it could be anyone. The only thing is that I think if you do kind of process of elimination, it's it's most likely I think eighty percent Pesci, maybe twenty percent percent Shea. Yeah, I think that's fair too. That's that's how I kind of think of it, but yeah. Again, it's a PTO. Doesn't mean he's going to sign with us. Yeah. It's just more of just a professional tryout. But trust me, I'm like you. I'm getting frustrated yeah. a bit. I am. Uh, so yeah. So that's the news that has gone on with both the Hurricanes and in the NHL and with us at the beginning of this episode. And before we get to talking about Ron Francis, let's go to our sponsors. New customers. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code THPN. Bet just $5 to score $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's code THPN. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelpmai.org. In New York, Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. On behalf of Boo Hill Casino and Resort. In West Virginia, gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. All games regulated by the West Virginia Lottery. Please play responsibly in partnership with Hollywood Casino at Charlestown Races. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 8887897777 or visit ccpg.org. 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. One boost per eligible game. Opt-in required. Max bet $50, 10 plus leg requirement for 100% boost. Eligibility, wagering, and deposit restriction supply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash baseball terms. Hey, Canes fans, even if you're not going on vacation, summer is all about a vacation state of mind. Whether I want to listen to Zach Brown Band on repeat or just need to retreat inside my own head for a bit, I love creating my own summer soundtrack by popping in my Raycon wireless earbuds. There's so much going on all summer. Sometimes you need some upbeat music to pump you up before you see people or to stay calm with some guided meditation. Since I can have an old soul for music, I have a playlist I listen to that ranges from John Denver to Chicago. Let me tell you right now, Raycons are the best way to listen. Use earbud tap functions to toggle three customizable sound profiles, noise isolation, and awareness mode. Raycons have a 32-hour battery life, including 8 hours of playtime, so you can listen to what you want, when you want, for a really long time. They come with custom gel tips for the most comfortable 
in-ear fit. They start at half the price of other premium audio brands, but they sound just as good. And Raycons come with a 30-day happiness guarantee, so you really can't lose. Create your own soundtrack with Raycon. Right now, listeners can get 15% off their Raycon order at buyraycon.com slash THPN. That's buyraycon.com slash THPN to save 15% off on Raycons. Buyraycon.com slash THPN. All right, Sam. So Ron Francis, this is, I think this is going to be a fun topic to talk about. Uh, because I, I think there is a debate on both sides to be made here. Uh, but obviously, Ron Francis is sworn in as GM on April 28, 2014. Sam, what were your expectations with Ron Francis at that time when I he thought came he was in? Gonna get, I thought he was going to get us out of the funk. I did, too. I thought he was a guy who'd been a hurricane, you know, basically like a chunk of his career. Hurricane slash whaler, but he'd been a part of this organization for so long. I thought, all right, now we've got the guy who's going to go get it done. And oh boy, was I wrong. Yeah, I mean, I was wrong too. I mean, because he did things that make you think, oh, okay, okay, okay. And then it was like, oh no. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, here's the thing Jim Rutherford, um, I, I, obviously, his highlight with us was winning the Stanley Cup, but he also was trying to fix a team that. I mean, would you agree? Probably needed a rebuild. I remember in twenty fifteen. Sure. I remember in twenty fifteen. I was very vocal of the Hurricanes, um, actually, kind of bombing the season and trying to go for McDavid. Look, I was vocal on that. They they needed to do so, and I don't think they did. <laughs> they well, were in the mush. They middle. never they never did a full on rebuild. If you actually look at the draft picks, but I think Ron Francis. There was tried. somewhat of a rebuild. I think he tried to do it for the first two years of his tenure and then thought that was good enough. But And I'll be honest, we had did not have an owner who wanted to spend money. No, we did not. But that's not an excuse to get better, right? Because if you got better, then the owner would have made money. True, and it was actually, I remember it being reported by John Forslund, who interviewed Ron Francis, I think during a home opener, and I remember Ron Francis saying, well, our owner thinks we're better than we actually are. And when I hear that coming out of Ron Francis's mouth, I mean, when you have an owner, a boss, who doesn't have high expectations anymore for this team. You really are a lot hand-strung. The only thing you can do is through the draft, and that's kind of sort of what he did. I think he could have done better, but here's the thing. the G- I think of it like this when it comes to rebuilds. It's the GM's plan in mind, not really the players and the coach, because they hate losing. No, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, Ron Francis came in on board on – April 28, 2014, and uh, I guess we'll talk about his first-round picks. I mean, he had a lot of good ones. I'll just rattle them off. Hayden Flurry, he was okay. He wasn't awful. I mean, he's not the best we've ever had, but definitely he's a not de- the worst. I think, I, think, I think he's a depth defenseman sure. at this point. No, he turned out really well in Calgary, and he was okay with Carolina. Yeah, he's a solid top-four defenseman. Jake Bean. We'll see what happens in Columbus. He was really hurt last season. Yeah, he was. And obviously, look at Columbus right now. They have lots of defensemen just like us. Marty Nate, uh, sorry, Julian Gauthier. That one was more of a disappointment than anything else. That never materialized. I think that was the biggest disappointment. Probably, because I think he was a top 10, if not a top 15. He might have, but I do remember it was uh, uh, both Jake Bing and Julian Gauthier were drafted both in the same Drafts, which was, I believe, 2016. Yes. If you remember, we traded Andres Sequeira, which we'll get to in the trades that he made. We traded him for LA's first-round pick, if you remember. Yes. And then we had Marty Natchez. That's obviously been a hit. He's done very well. Yes. Um, other players we had. I think this one everybody's going to recognize, Sebastian Ajo. Etu Listerinen. He's played well in Florida. Nicholas Waugh, he plays in Vegas. He's he just won the cup. He did just win a cup. Stephen Lawrence, everyone loved him. He and he was a seventh-round pick, Lawrence yeah. was. And he's out, and uh, we, they had, he turned into Brent Burns, who's been instrumental. Um, 
Warren Fogle was huge in the Cap series, helped us yes. beat Washington in the first he, round. He cooled off after that, though. He did, but he was still a notable, but, yeah, and he, he, and was he good. contributed. Um, and then Alex Nedeljkovic, probably the best goalie that he drafted. And Nedeljkovic was great in Carolina. It struggled, and I think he'll revive his career a little bit in Pittsburgh. Yeah, he could. I mean, he's still, I mean, he's probably in his mid-20s. But the thing with goalies, Sam, is that they can, they're so unpredictable. They really are. So he could turn it on with Pittsburgh, and we all be shocked. Um, there have been other goalies. I think of a goalie like Tim Thomas, mm-hmm. who, for Boston, like, he came out of nowhere in his late 20s with Boston, I believe. So, you you never know with a goalie's development. No, absolutely. I think, actually, Tim Thomas was in his 30s. He yeah, he, yeah, he could have been in his 30s. And look, that happens, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um I think at the end of the day, his draft, and I'll give him credit for it, I think his draft was, he's one of the best drafting GMs we probably have ever had. He drafted some of the core that we have now, and Ajo, and Natchez. Um, that's huge. Yes, definitely. So if Did you're he t- draft Slavin and Pesci? Was that that, that was, was Rutherford. Rutherford? So that was Rutherford. But Towards it's, the end, right? Yes. Okay. Now, when it comes to drafting players, obviously, Sam, there's... I think two things to consider the actually drafting the player and then developing the player. And I think you could give Francis probably some credit in developing players like a slave and Pesci. It could be a long shot, but I do know, I do know Glenn Wesley was the development coach of defensemen during his time. So I don't give general managers credit for development as much as I give coaches. True. I think, I think that's a good point. Um, so like I'll give, Kirk Muller and I'll give um, Bill Peters credit for developing some of these guys because they did. I can't deny it. They developed. I mean, Slavin and Pesci blossomed. They became the guys that they were under Peters. So it's like, okay, good, right? Yes. So got to give him credit for that. I think Aho really, I mean, Aho also came out under Bill Peters. I mean, a lot of these players that come under, you know, came out. Bill Peters was not a great coach or really a good person. But some of these players... No. He he basically, you know, he developed some of these guys well, and some of them liked him, right? Elias Lindholm liked Bill Peters. So it's not, you know... It worked. And that was on it. He was our best coach since Paul Maurice and Bill and Laviolette because Kirk Muller was not good. He was not good, but he was also not given a good team either. No, and we got close under Peters. We actually got really close. The closest we ever got before Rob Brindamore under Bill Peters. Granted, I think he was too stubborn for his own good, kind of like Laviolette and wanting to do the co-captaincy crap. Yeah, that was terrible. And I also blame Ron Francis a little bit for that because I do believe general managers have a say, at least a small say, yes. and captaincies. And, I agree. Francis could have shut that down if he was smart enough. Um. But at the end of the day... If you were to give him a grade... On drafting? On drafting. An a. What would that... Really, an, an a. a? Yeah, an A. Okay. When you look at... You drafted our two... You, you drafted the face of the franchise. Yeah, you know what? Me, it's hard for yeah. me. It's hard for me to, to, to do that. And I said this when he went over to Seattle. I said, look, he's not going to... And he proved me wrong because he's... Uh, it looks like he's learned. And GMs can learn. Look at Don Waddell. Yeah. Um, I believed he was a good drafter, and that's true. He is, and this is why. Yes, definitely. And honestly, I'd probably give him an A, too, because you drafted a franchise player in Sebastian Ajo. So, yeah, that's kind of our uh, take on his drafting. Now, Sam, let's get to the trades. This was probably, I think, his weakest point right here. Because usually there are three things, I think, that dictate a general manager's performance. There is drafting, trades, and contracts. Uh, Trying to give the right amount of a contract to a player. That's all on the GM, too. Should we talk about Scott Darling? Well, we could could get to that. (laughs) We could get to that. Trade and a sign. Yes, we could get to that. Or maybe it was just a sign. So... Uh, first trade, Sam. Uh, he traded Tuomo Rutu to New Jersey for 
<laughs> I can already see your face for Andre Lochtanoff <laughs> and a third round pick, which interesting enough, interestingly enough, uh, we got Morgan Geeky out of that. No. So yeah, that was not a good trade. I like Tuomo Rutu. Yeah, not uh, the, like that. the the next uh, big somewhat trade, um, I, I I didn't like this either. Um, he traded Yuri Tulusti to Winnipeg for a third round pick and I a like fifth Tulusti. round pick, and Tulusti. none of those panned out. I, I like Tulusti too. Tulusti. I thought he was great in Carolina. Him, remember him and Salmon on the same line? That was a good it, line. it was good. What was it like? Sad? I think it was Stall. I think Stahl was centering both uh, Semin and Tulusti. I think that was, I think, the year that Semin had his like best, like one of his top, like, career years. And Tulusti too, because yeah. I mean, Tulusti was just a playmaker on that line with Semin. Yeah, no, it was great. It may have even been like Tulusti Stahl. Yeah, I think it was Tulusti Stahl and Semin. I think even at one point it was like Tulusti, Jokinen, and Skinner. So. Yeah, uh, next big trade. I mean, you can tell he's rebuilding with these trades here. Uh, he trades Andre Sakara to L.A. for a first-round pick. We drafted Julian Gauthier and got um, a what was seen as a high prospect at the time. Never panned out. Roland McElwin. Yeah, that's a too bad there because he was thought to really pan out to be something, and he didn't. Yeah, that was a really disappointing trade that just did not work out for us. Again, I think you look at his trades, and uh, it, it, it was very iffy. Uh, next trade, or not- notable trade, uh, we trade Tim Gleason to Washington for Jack Hillen in a fourth-round pick, which became Kalen Booth. That didn't work out either. God. And then we traded picks to Vancouver... For Eddie Lack. That worked. That was fine. Lack was fine. Third round pick and a seventh round pick. That's fine. That worked out. I liked Eddie Lack when he was here. I think um, he was one of the better backups we had until he got hurt. Yes. Now, this trade right here, I thought this was a pretty good trade. Uh, because it's remember terrifying. when we signed... No. Uh, remember when we signed James Wisniewski? He only played one game. Well, uh, well, actually, no, never mind. Sorry. I, I completely reversed that. Sorry, my bad. We got James Wisniewski, and Anaheim got Anton Kudobin. God. But James Wisniewski was seen as a good defenseman no, back then. No, it was a good then. trade, and I, I'm not going to. And you can't that. blame in, you can't blame injuries on GMs. You just no, can't. I think the trade is good. I probably would have made the same deal. Yes, um, and this this was a dec- decent trade. Seems like uh, Francis had a good uh, trading partner with Chicago here. Uh, we traded prospects in a fifth-round pick to Chicago for Joachim Nordstrom and Chris Teague and a third-round pick. That's not, that's not a bad trade. No, I like Chris Teague. None of them. And I liked Nordstrom. Um, I I probably like Nordstrom probably a bit more maybe. Um, I don't. But I, I would give that. I don't think that was like a bit a really good trade for us. But I think that was a fine trade for us. Probably I think on a. B or C level. Um, oh, here, here's the big trade right here, Sam. This this got a lot of fans mad. To the New York Rangers, we traded Eric Stahl, retained fifty percent. Dear God, I didn't forgot we had traded retained half and, of that. And we got Aleski Sorella and two second round picks. They never none of these players worked out, and. At the time when we traded Eric Stahl, I was never a big fan of that trade. I never was. No, it was a horrible trade, and one of the reasons I don't like Ron Francis. And it is no secret that I don't like Ron Francis as a general manager. I'll give him credit for drafting some people, sure. I also recognize a lot of it's scouts, too. Yes. Uh, But that trade made me mad. I love Eric Stahl, and anyone who listens to this podcast knows Dear God Almighty, I want to bring Eric Stahl back. Yeah, definitely. Uh, next sort of big trade here. We traded Chris Versteed to uh, L.A. And we got Valentin Zykoff. Another prospect that didn't pan out. He was a prospect. Um, and a fifth-round pick. 
Um, traded. This was a, another rebuilding mode type of trade here where we traded John Michael Lyles to Boston for picks. Again, a lot of these are for picks. Uh, now, here's a trade June 15th, 2016, during the offseason. We traded a second-round pick and a third-round pick with Chicago. We got back Brian Bickle, mm-hmm. who had a ter- terrible contract with Chicago. They had to ship him off. Yep. And because of that, we were able to pry away Tavo Teravainen. I think that is the best trade yes. that Ron Francis has made. It was a perfect trade. It made a lot of sense. We got a good young player. Again, this is the one deal where Ron Francis, I mean, it was, it was a great move. You got a Stanley Cup champion. You got a decent player. Even, I mean, Bickle was an okay player. He wasn't horrible. I loved, I loved, I loved the story that he had with us. I yeah. hated, I hated it for him about, um, uh, he was di- diagnosed with, uh, MLS, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, uh, how he responded from that was amazing. And Sam, probably one of my best memorable games ever was at Philadelphia. And yeah, Brian Bickle scores the short, the, uh, um, Shoot out winner goal. And I remember seeing the Canes team just lost it. They were so happy. Yeah, no. That was a great moment. Very happy for him there. Uh, Definitely the best trade Ronnie Francis ever made. Yes, definitely. And I mean, I feel bad for Brian Bickle. I still follow Brian Bickle, Mm -hmm. actually, Mm -hmm. on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's he's still, um, he's a huge advocate for um, people with MLS or. Am I saying that right? I don't think I am for some. Multiple cirrhosis. MS, my bad. I'm very sorry. Uh, but, uh, you yeah. You were thinking of ALS. But yeah, I, yeah. Um, but, yeah. Uh, I thought that was the best trade made by far. A uh, couple of rebuilding type of trades here. We got picks for. We traded Victor Stahlberg to Ottawa for a pick. Never panned out. We traded... Ron Hainsey to Pittsburgh, 50% retained, and we got back a second-round pick and a prospect. Uh, I liked Ron Hainsey, actually, when he was with us. Mm -hmm. Um, And I thought he was kind of like the closest thing to uh, Jacob Slavin back in the Dark Ages. He was a very good shut-down defenseman. Um, And, of course, I think the worst trade. Oh, boy. I know what this one this is. We traded a third-round pit to Chicago for Scott Darling. Okay, okay. The trade itself is fine. You're trading a third-round pick for a backup goalie that showed promise, but you gave him a dumbass contract, okay? That was the big problem, <laughs> yes. That was the was big it problem. Was like a 4 by 4 or something like that, or 4 by 5 or some, some stupid deal like that that cost us a boatload of money and put us in a position where we had to start him because we were giving him so much money when even when cam ward was like it was like oh you know what cam ward's still the better goalie it was oh but we're paying scott darling he's got to start and it was like every time we'd go to a game it was like oh please tell me oh it's scott darling not cam ward yep i know those those were the memories you, you know what's interesting though and i, I mean, defended scott darling to the end by the way i was like oh it just we gotta see what happens and then it just went i didn't i didn't um scott darling was terrible he couldn't stop a beach ball uh <laughs> But uh, yeah, the biggest the thing zone. I know the biggest thing was the contract, obviously. But here's what's interesting, Sam. When Tom Dundon purchased this team, they still was go- they were planning on giving Scott Darling another shot. Well, Scott Darling came into training camp that year. It was going to be Darling and Marazic, and Scott exactly. Darling came into training camp and did well. He was doing really well, and I was like, okay, you know, this is good, right? We got a good defense behind him. I think we had Dougie Hamilton, and we had Slavin, Pesci, um, Hannafin. Hannafin. We had a couple others. Falk. I mean. Yeah. Very good defense. No, I don't think we had Hannafin. Lindholm and Hannafin were shipped out. They left. The That's right. They did. My, it yeah, was Falk, they did. Pesci, Slavin, Dougie, Van Riemsdyk. DeHaan, great defense in front of uh, 
darling and he looked good but then he got really hurt in a preseason game and we were in a tough spot claimed Curtis McElhaney exactly off the waivers, and at that point Morazic took the net and he didn't let it go and it yes. was Morazic and McElhaney show rightfully so and I felt sorry for Scott Darling more than probably any player to ever play for Carolina because I thought he was a nice guy Oh, I did too, and he's now a stand-up comedian. <laughs> Which is really funny. Um, and I would love to just... I would have loved to have seen Scott Darling really succeed in Carolina, and it just didn't work out. Yeah, definitely. Um, to wrap up the trade, Sam, um, this trade, uh, honestly, this was a pretty good trade. We traded a second-round pick to Vegas. We got a seventh-round pick and Trevor Van Riemsdyk. I thought that was a decent trade, looking back. Uh, obviously... To me, the turning point in Trevor Van Riemsdyk's career was when he got hurt in the Islanders series. I don't think he ever got back to that. But when we got him, I thought he was a very good defenseman for us. Yeah, he played very well, especially, I think, in the Cap series. Yes, he did. Um, And then his last trade was um, trading Eddie Lack, retained 50%, trade Ryan Murphy, and a seventh-round pick. And actually, this is interesting. Um, is he a highly sought? Yeah, he is a highly sought out uh, pick for Calgary. Uh, but we traded a seventh round pick to them, and that turned into Dustin Wolf, who is now seen as a top prospect goalie for Calgary. Hmm. So, and then we got Keegan Kanzig and a six round pick. Again, rebuilding mode type of trade. And then that was it, because the trade after that was when we got... Or actually, I don't think that was it. Did he sign Simon to the long-term deal? But I know he bought him out. He bought him out, but that was Rutherford that... That signed him? Signed him, yeah. I know the first signing was Rutherford, but I wasn't sure if the second signing was Rutherford, too. Yeah. Uh, obviously, there were a couple more trades after that. Um, I think we we got Marcus Kruger for a fifth-round pick from Vegas. Um, and we traded Josh Joris for Greg McKegg. <laughs> I liked McKegg. McKegg was an interesting player. Uh, but yeah, and then after that, uh, Don Waddell took over. And that was when we tr- the first, first trade, which really worked out, was trading Marcus Kruger to Arizona. And we got Jordan Martinuk out of that. I think one of the biggest mistakes we ever did was buy out Alexander Simon. Really? I think they should have just let the contract go. You well, it seems like you're just not a big fan of buyout contracts in general. Me? Yeah, because I know you're very critical of Minnesota for buying out um, Parise and Sutter. Yeah, I just I don't like the thought. I don't like the idea of buying players out when you don't have to. And I think Simon had another two years left, and I'm like, you know, he could it could work out. I'd keep him and see what happens, or see if you can move the contract at some point, but. Or even if you want to retain half and ship them off, that's still a lot less money than what you had to deal with over a really long, it was a long period of time we had to pay Simon. I I just wasn't a fan of the buyout and how that shaped up. I think I would have kept him, but yes, exactly. And you know what? I'm gonna look at contracts that he made here. I mean, obviously the Scott Darling contract that he made was a huge eyesore from the start, but. Um, you look at some of these contracts that they're still existing with the Hurricanes organization. Slavin and Pesci um, to be two. Tara Vinan, uh, he signed, which was a $5.4 million contract. And I think at the time we signed Tara Vinan to that money, I thought that was a pretty good contract. It's still a good contract. Yes, I still think so too. And uh, Slavin and uh, Pesci, obviously. Uh, Slavin... Um, to me, was the biggest, um, biggest contract that really we benefited from. Long-term we deal, signed yeah. him to a long-term deal, $5.3 million contract. Oh, yeah. He is playing well above that contract. And I think so is Brett Pesci with his only a, like a $4 million contract. Slower, I, it wasn't as much term as Slavin's because he only had a six-year contract, and I think Slavin had maybe seven years, I believe. Yeah, seven years. But those were really good contracts. So I would say trades, uh, probably a D 
I would give Francis. The reason I don't give him an F is because of the Terravina. Yes. Uh, I trade. I agree. Uh, but um, and signings, I'd probably say a C. I say signings probably. Uh, Scott Darling was a eyesore, but Waddell and Dundon were really smart of trading that away to Florida, and yeah. we got James Reimer out of it. We traded a goalie that wasn't doing well for another goalie who wasn't doing well, hoping the changes of scenery worked out, and it did for us. And Florida bought him out. Yes, exactly. So Which I wanted. I didn't want to buy Scott Darling out. I was like, just use one more year. Just let it go. Yes, exactly. But uh, we did trade him, which is a lot better than buying him out. I'm not a big fan of buyouts, too, to be honest. Um, but um, th- there might be some instances where you probably have to. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of my stance on buyouts. But it's 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 interesting. And I give contracts. I probably give Ron Francis a B because of the contracts he did with Slavin mm. and Pesci and Taravainen. Like, all of those contracts were seen as very good deals. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, that's kind of our assessment. Um, Sam, uh, looking at this lineup that he had coming in and then the lineup that he had while he got fired, basically, um, he he really rejuvenated the blue line just from looking at it. And here is the big question right here. Do you think if we win the Stanley Cup, he deserves some credits? And if he does, how much? I mean, I think you give him credit for being a good drafter, but I'm going to give a lot more credit to Rob Renamore. I am too. And Don Waddell and Tom Dundon to getting it done because I always believed that Ron Francis was too much of a coward to make the big moves at the deadline which is why he got fired. Exactly. Is that we were very close because Tom Dundon took over halfway through the year and it was Francis and Peters and we were close. Yeah. And we probably were like a trade away from just getting there and Francis did nothing at the deadline and we missed the playoffs. I don't, and I don't think it was by a lot. I think it was by like five to 10 points. Yeah. And Dundon basically, I think fired him because of that. And, but here's, what's interesting is we've never made bid trades at the trade deadline under, well, we did. Like we that, did. That yeah, we after, did. We did. And I think the with Trocek, Vatanen and Shay coming yep. in. So, so we did. And that's what Dundon, Dundon recognized that this team needed something which is why he made the deals that he made, right? So that's what happened. And I think he even recognized there is like, hey, this team is is decent, but we need one more piece to get over the hump. And I think Dundon wanted to get the playoffs within his first, you know, half season, and it just didn't work out. Um, and I think it pissed him off, and that was it. Yeah. Um, I mean, next question here is, do you think uh, he made this team better? I think he made this team a lot younger than than it was coming in because you had an aging def- you did have an aging defense. Your youngest defenseman was Justin Falk. The others were veterans. Yeah, Ron Hainsey, John Michael Lyles, uh, Jay Harrison. If we remember him, Sakara was kind of in his prime. He was a bit younger, but I was an aging de- defense, and he and if you remember, he was really. His point was trying to make the blue line better and younger, and he did that. And I think that's fair. Um, I don't know if he made the team better. I think he made the 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 prospect pool better. Yes, he did that. I think. Like if I'm looking at the lineups from when he took over to when he left, I kind of like the lineup we had before we got here a little bit more. But I mean, and he did sign Justin Williams too, and that's fine. Um, I guess at the end of the day, you just have to kind of take a look at it. But I'm not a um, again, I'm not the biggest fan of of um, Ron Francis. Yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, a fair argument to say. Um, looking, I'm another big player under him that I think he really had promised but just failed. Uh, kind of miserably, and we later traded him for Nino Niederreiter, was Victor Ask. That, I mean, yeah, that just didn't work out. Yeah. And it was, And Nino was struggling in Minnesota. We did one for one, but Nino thrived, and Victor Ask just didn't care anymore. Yeah, he, he, he didn't. Kind of like Semen a little bit. 
so, uh, yeah, and I think we kind of answered the third final question is, what do you think was the thing that made the Canes not get into the playoffs? It was Ron Francis's indecisiveness at the trade deadline. Indecisiveness at the trade deadline and inability to pick up what was needed even in the offseason. Yes, He just definitely. never got that one piece. And I think each season under Francis, at least those last two years, I think we were a piece or two short of at least getting into the playoffs. And you could have argued that uh, we could have been in more of a rebuild. Because yeah. I do think Rutherford, toward the end of his time with us, was just trying to get back into the playoffs and wasn't letting this team go into a proper rebuild. And I think that's possible as well. Yes, definitely. See, wasn't that fun, Sam? I don't like wasn't Ron that Francis. interesting? I know you don't like Ron Francis. I blame Sam. him for Rod Brendan. We're not getting into the Hall of Fame. Yes, he could. He could be that. But wasn't that spiteful? Wasn't that fun just examining it? I don't like Ron Francis. Okay, <laughs> just <laughs> I tried. I have a grudge against Ron Francis. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, the episode. So you just did not like the episode? No, of course I like the episode. I like trashing Ron Francis a little bit, <laughs> so it's okay. Hey, you praised him quite a bit though, I in, did, in, and 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 some of but I want some be... of the trades, and but mostly the draft. And I want to make it. Yeah, no, the draft. I, I think only an idiot would say that Ron Francis didn't draft well, but Ron Francis and I've said this. He's a, he was a coward with his inability to get the pieces needed to move forward. And we were close under Bill Peters. Yeah, it's we were. It's not like Bill Peters couldn't get a team to the playoffs. He did with Calgary. So it's not like he couldn't do it. He could. I think Carolina would as a piece or two away. Yeah, I agree. Well, Sam, we're going to... It's gonna time d- for a break. Wait, what, what are you, you going to do on this two-week break? I'm going to drink. I thought you said you weren't going to drink. I'm going to drink on Labor Day. There you go. Um, but yeah, so I'm probably going to chill. happy Labor Day to all of you Caniacs. Yes. And it is also oh, co-host no. Sam Wallace's birthday on Labor Day weekend. Make Se- sure, September 1st. Make sure you wish him a happy birthday. Message him. Direct message him. Fill his um, uh, DMs with birthday. They don't, they don't know my personal Twitter, though. I'll share it for everybody on his birthday. You would you would do something like that. Make sure you tell Sam Wallace a happy birthday. Um, and uh, turning twenty six, he's old like me. You're twenty six too, aren't We're you? Old, old. Oh my gosh, we are still in our twenties. I consider <laughs> that young, for now. We're old Sam. I no, feel, no, no. I feel like I'm eighty most of the time. <laughs> oh, good lord. Okay, well. We will see you guys after this break, of course. Uh, again, we, we really love making these episodes. Uh, we're just, Again, just taking a two-week break before the season starts, I think is the uh, wise, appropriate thing. But we will be back. Indeed, we will. So we will see you guys next time. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Kaniac Report. Be sure to subscribe wherever you heard this podcast so you never miss a future episode. Can't get enough of the Kaniac Report? For more content or to connect with the Sams, check them out on Instagram and Twitter at the Kaniac Report. We'll see you next time.